Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger Running, the trail and ultra running YouTube channel. And this week's live guest was Glencoe Skyline ladies winner and Merrill athlete Georgia Tindley. Georgia is a total pro at running over rough ground, scrambling and power hiking up steep hills like she did in this epic 52km race with 4,750 metres of ascent. We talk about how to train for such a technically difficult race, especially if you don't live in the mountains. We cover pre-race nerves, pacing, gear, downhill technique, nutrition and how to use visualisation when everything hurts. She also reveals that she is fueled by a very particular type of sandwich, but is as yet refusing to reveal her great-great-great-great-grandmother's secret recipe. Follow Georgia on Instagram at gtindley and on her blog georgiatindley.com to see what she does next. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday for your chance to ask questions to our awesome guests and in my Q&A sessions. Support me on Patreon to guarantee your question gets an answer. And listen to the end to find out who next week's incredible running guest is. For more trail and ultra running advice, gear reviews and inspiration, subscribe to Wild Ginger Running on YouTube, it's totally free, and follow me on Instagram at Wild Ginger Running. Links to the YouTube version of this episode and any other resources, films or gear we talk about are in the podcast show notes. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails. Hello everybody and welcome to tonight's broadcast. I am thrilled to be here tonight with ladies winner of the Galenco Skyline 2019 and Merrill athlete, it's Georgia Tindley. Hey Georgia, how are you doing? Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good thanks. Um, so what have you been up to today on this beautiful sunny day? I'm surprised actually that you've made it in here to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a really nice day up here as well. I am. Um... I went for a little bike ride and I cycled out to a river and I went for a swim in the river and I cycled back again. So oh, it's been a really nice day. Lovely. And you're based in Edinburgh, is that right? No, I'm in the Highlands of Scotland. Oh, so fantastic. near Aviemore. Oh, wow. Even further yeah. north. Oh, right. Okay. So, um, so you started off in Edinburgh and then you got to the Highlands. Fantastic. Yeah, and slowly getting further and further north. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, that is great. And um, and just, I've probably got to ask this question, but just before we get on to what we're going to be mainly talking about tonight, which is Glencoe Skyline, how to train for it, um, how is the COVID situation affecting you um, as a supply teacher? Um, so, since the schools are closed, I haven't really had any work to do. Um, the schools near here aren't being used for the children of the essential workers so there's not really much going on. Um, I did a bit at the beginning helping to prepare people for exams and things like that but then exams got cancelled so I've just been living a life of running and cycling and swimming it's been great. Oh that is fantastic but I hear that you're a little bit injured at the moment and um, what's going on there? Yeah so I was running along last week just uh, a nice easy run at the end of the day and I felt a uh, sort of twang in the back of my leg and I think I've torn my calf um, but the good thing about Covid is that you can now get physio appointments online so I got seen to straight away. Oh really? So. How do they do physios online then? Do, do you have to do the sort of the manipulation yourself? Yeah so it's under the Skype call and they say does this, do they put you through lots of different exercises and you tell them what hurts, what doesn't and she had a good look at it and looked for bruising and 
cognitive product a bit and yeah, now it's on the mend hopefully. Oh great, oh well, that sounds good, wow that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, hopefully you'll you'll be all mended by the time this is all over, um, and we'll find out a little yeah. bit about your future plans um, at, towards the end. Um, but just to before we start going on, um, before we start to get into the Glencoe skyline, um, do you just want to give us a little bit about your background? Because um, you, it's really interesting that you were born in London, and then you holidayed with family in Scotland, and then your grandparents um, have had a house on the Isle of Lewis. Um, so I can see where the love of the mountains and the outdoors came from, but where did the running come in? Yeah, so um, I grew up in London and was very much a sort of a London girl, like wasn't particularly outdoorsy or anything, um, but we always came up to the Isle of Lewis for us on the holidays, so we'd always be up for four weeks of the year or so, um, and I loved it. And I was always kind of begging my parents to move to the countryside. And then... Um, I think I started running at school. I was in the cross country club, but that wasn't very hard. It was kind of if you wanted to be in the cross country club, you were in the team, and that was it. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and I didn't do particularly well or anything. Um, you know, in a race of 30, I'd come 25th. But I joined the club when I went to uni, and that's when I really got into it. And um, maybe my second year, some of the friends were like, "Oh, come running in the Pentlands, which are these hills just outside Edinburgh." And I just fell in love with it. It was so freeing and so exciting as well. It was really snowy that day, which helps. Yeah, oh, that sounds amazing. I've been to the Pentland Hills and it's really like a, a wonderfully green and rolling place in the summer. Um, I can imagine it would be really amazing in the, in the winter. Um, and so then you've just got a sponsorship with Merrill as well. Like, how did it go? How did you go from being at uni and just getting into hill running um, all the way to being a, like a sponsored athlete? Um, I think, I, well, once I started running at uni, I just got more and more into it and did more and more races. And then the first year that they ran the Ring of Steel race, I went up and did that one. And I ended up winning it. Yeah. And I think from there, that just sort of made me feel more confident. And so I started going abroad and doing races there. And yeah, gradually just improved over a number of years. Yeah, that's brilliant because I was there and I did the Ring of Steel that same year and I remember you winning it um, and it was brilliant. You did it in like half the time that I did it in. And I was just like, wow, how do people do this? Um, but I was just reading um, a little bit of your blog earlier and you said that you, you had originally wanted to do the Glencoe Skyline um, and you weren't allowed because you didn't have the right experience that year. Um, so you must have been really, really happy when in 2019 that suddenly um, um, an opening came up. Um, so can you just um, describe the course a little bit to us and, and why it appealed to you so much? The course of the Glencoe Skyline? Yeah, yeah, sorry, that one. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> so the course is great. It goes, you just sort of loop around, all the way around Glencoe and um, but you're starting in Kinloch Leven and that means there's a lot of variety in the trails that it goes over. So you go along the west a bit um, which is quite nice, smooth, gentle running. But then you're also going along the Anapiga and up Curved Bridge. So there's huge contrast in it. Um, but mainly it's just really hard. It's a really hard course, and that's probably what appeals to me. I like a good challenge. Yeah, and th there's two scrambles, isn't there, on that course as well? Um, can you just describe them a little bit? Because th the first one's quite different to the second one, isn't it? Yeah, so the first one, you go up Curved Bridge, and it's quite early on in the race. 
Um, so there's still quite a lot of people around. Um, not that you get in each other way, but it's kind of just reassuring that there's people there. <laughs> and it's straight up, so you're just climbing up the hallway. Um, and it's really, really steep. And when I did it, it was really, really foggy as well. So you couldn't really see where you were going, which made it... Um, I think it was a good thing. You couldn't look down, even if you tried. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got an image here of you um, doing that a part of the route, the, um, the curved ridge scramble, which is the first one. So I'm just popping up an image here on the screen of Georgia, sort of looking up at this type of kind of sheer rock almost. Um, so it looks pretty hairy. Um, and we've got a question coming in on the live chat already um, about a vertigo. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll, we'll answer that in a bit because um, let's just talk a little bit more about, about the course. Um, so, so yeah, you go up Curve Ridge, um, and then mm -hmm. and then you're along there, and there's nice kind of nice nice easy paths along there, um, and then there's another huge ascent, isn't there, up Anahigik, which is just you go all the way to the valley floor and then up again. <laughs> um, so, what's yeah. the next scramble like? So that's different because it's more you're going along the ridge. It's not the climb up. The climb up's relatively easy. You're just hiking up. Um, but this one's much more sort of up, down, you know, there's bits of down climbing in it. Um, and it's, while the route is flagged, it was much more about sort of finding your own way through the terrain as well. Um, I found that well, I was running with some men at one point and they could easily reach certain holes and get over stuff and I'd be stood at the bottom like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so it required a bit more thinking as well. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that in a little bit because that was a really interesting. Um, that was really interesting. Uh, it's just interesting, isn't it, that you can't just follow what anyone else is doing. You've got to make your own way across this kind of terrain. Um, and then I've got a really nice. There's a really nice image of you coming in through the finish line. Um, it says eight hours thirty um, on the clock. Is that is that correct? Was the clock right there? Yeah. Yeah. Eight hours thirty. Bang on. I did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant time. Absolutely fantastic. And there's you're just grinning. Like in every single photo, you're grinning from ear to ear. And here's Shane giving you a medal. You're grinning from ear to ear. Um, and there's a really really lovely one. Um, just finally of you um, and Matt Ward, uh, the commentator. He's announcing that you've just come through, and he's doing a little bit of a finishers first lady chat with you. And you are honestly, you are like a Cheshire cat. It's amazing. Uh, how happy were you? Like how did you? feel at that moment winning the Glencoe Skyline 2019? Oh, I was just um, totally ecstatic. It was such a nice feeling to, well, the weekend, the whole weekend's really special to me because it's the first sky race I did and I'd won the VK before and I'd won the Ring of Steel and it really felt like I'd worked up to this over a number of years and then I'd gone in and I'd had a good race, but you know, you're always worried about other people coming up behind you and you're not confident that you're gonna cross the line first until you actually do it. And so at that moment of crossing the line and the realization that I'd done it and it's all gonna be okay, and yeah, just super, super happy. Yeah, it was amazing. It it just was so brilliant to see you do that. It was absolutely fantastic because I was up on Anakigik Ridge and I saw you come past. Um, so I didn't see you finish because I was yeah, still I up there. Yeah, I remember seeing you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, oh my god, it's Georgia. Hi, Georgia. And you were like, 
hi and then you're off <laughs> you just just had enough breath um so if anyone wants to see a video of georgia in action i will put a link um in the youtube description um or the podcast show notes whichever you're listening to this on um and um you can watch the film there and i've done some recce's of curvedridge and anapegic as well so they can see what you what you went over and what that race is like um but just before we get into like how you trained for it and things like that i just want to read to you some really nice comments that have come in on the live chat because we've got tons of people watching um and lots of them want to say hi to you um so um uh, conrad says hello from sunny michigan he is over in the united states and he says um nice to see you georgia um, Ruth Harry, Howie's here as well. Um, we've got Mario Tonna, um, Phil Haddock as well. Um, Nigel Barnett says hello. Um, Guy Greatrex says, Georgia is amazing. Number one fan there, that's fantastic. <laughs> and Ruth Harry said she was one of the spotters looking for the first lady at Glencoe Skyline and she couldn't believe the speed that you were flying down the pipe track. Um, she, she said you were just awesome to watch. And um, yeah, and everyone says that they like how you were smiling in all your photos. Um, and John Nyston is here as well. He says evening to us both and enjoying the chat so far. Um, so that is fantastic. Thank you for watching everybody. Um, and thank you for joining us, Georgia. Um, so um, now we're on to the training questions. Um, so could you just give us a kind of a little like a nutshell overview of, of how you trained for it i know it was like a last minute thing but you must have been fit mustn't you so what's your kind of typical weekly mileage and, and ascent um and you know how much hills and rough terrain do you put in there so if i'm building up to a race um the weeks before the race will be about 90 kilometers um so not massive compared to what some runners do um, but that's with over 3,000 meters of climb as well so that kind of takes out to a bit yeah 3,000 um, meters of climb is a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's easy enough to do here actually it's probably more difficult to not have that climb when your runs around here because you go out the door and everything's just up and down up and down mm. um, and you need that don't you because and most of that the Glencoe skyline is like 4,750 metres of ascent just in the, in the 52 kilometres of the race. So you, you just need that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And it's something that yeah, there are ways around it, but the best way to train for climbing is to just go out and do it. Um, and yeah, so most of my training is on trails. I don't really do anything on the roads. Um, and then a small portion of that will just be completely off-road wading through bogs and splashing through heather and yeah trying to find my way through places that sounds fantastic and so yeah it's really good fun yeah and so so you've got like 90 kilometers a week ish and kind of like 3,000 meters of ascent ish every week um that sounds good mm -hmm. um and and the scrambling as well because of the curved ridge and anahegic do you do you practice for that um or do, like i've got a question here from lucy who's quite interested to know um if you um um oh no not that one sorry this is arlene she says um uh, Georgia, your skyrunning is amazing. Do you ever get a sense of vertigo when scrambling up those steep rocks? Do you look down? Um, no, I don't, which is weird, because 
Um, I'm scared of a lot of things. I'm scared of flying, um, <laughs> but I don't get scared. I don't get vertigo at all. Um, ah. I think you're just so in the moment and you're concentrating so hard on the piece of ground that's in front of you that sometimes I'm not even really aware of the drop that's behind me. Yeah, and especially if it was misty, like on the on the first uh, on the first round, um, it's yeah. a bit easier sometimes if you can't actually see it. <laughs> um, and and Lucy wants, uh, sorry, Chloe wants to know um, if you ha do any other sports to train for sky running. Like, do you ever do rock climbing or anything? Um, she's she's asking this because she want her eighteen year old is a fell runner and she wants to he wants to get into mountain running championships um, and have a go at, at this kind of thing. So do you do you train for any other any other sports like rock climbing? I don't really do any climbing, but I definitely think it'd be an advantage if you did, um, especially for a race like Glencoe or if you go out and do something like Tromsø as well. Um, like the ability to be able to climb and the ability for it to be kind of instinctive rather than having to stop and think about it would definitely be an advantage. But I just stick to doing a bit of cycling. So I go out on the road bike and I do some mountain biking as well. And in the winter, um, when there's snow, which is not as often as I'd like, I do a bit of skiing as well. Ah, oh, nice. You're a little bit of a Killian Jornet and Emily Forsberg going on there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if people live like so, you're from London. How do you have any kind of advice if people are not very near to the hills, like in London or, or down south, is somewhere where where you know it's easy for you to get three thousand meters of ascent in per week? But what's your advice if people want to train for this kind of race, but down south? Um, so it is difficult, but. Um, I've done it in the past and lots of runners have had really successful races of training in London and other cities. I think take, you need to take the um, opportunities to train on difficult terrain where you can. So maybe there's a park that's got a bit of rough grass, even just running through that will give you a bit of an advantage over running on the roads all the time. Um, and also just get climbing where you can. So maybe that means running up and down steps in a tall building somewhere or going out to a tower block. But that's all going to serve you really well when it comes to climbing up a mountain in a race. Um, all climbing that you do in training is going to pay off when it comes to the race. <laughs> Even if it's just going up and down stairs and it drives you mad at the time, <laughs> it'll be worth it in the long run. That's really good advice. So like head to the multi-story car park, everybody. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> and so I suppose also if you can't get to the hills, there's there must be some kind of other strengthening exercises that you can do. And I know that during lockdown you've been paying more attention to doing stuff that you, you think you should be doing more of, like strength and conditioning. Um, so Lucy O'Dell wants to know um, if you've got any like top leg strengthening exercises um, that you could share with us. So I've been. Well, this is something that I haven't been doing as much as I should. But what I have been doing is um, a lot of lunges um, with weights and a lot of split squats as well. Um, What's a split I'm also just squat? stepping down off things. It's like um, you have like one you squat on one leg and then you have the other leg up behind you on a chair or something, and oh. then you just squat down like that. Oh, okay. So one leg's. So you're doing a single-legged squat and your other leg is on the chair behind? 
like yeah yeah okay yeah I yeah I think I know what that is kind of difficult to explain yeah <laughs> yeah I'd do a demo but I've got these headphones in <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so lun um, lunges with weights and split squats and oh yeah sorry you were saying yeah and just um, I've piled up some spare tires in the garage and just stepping up and stepping down onto those a lot as well with weights again. Oh right, so like a few tires or just like up down one tire or have you made a mountain of tires? <laughs> Not a mountain of tires. <laughs> I think there's two or maybe three, enough that I can like step onto it without having to jump or anything. Brilliant. So you've kind of created your own small step machine um, in the garage. Yeah, my friend's a um, is the design and technology teacher at school. He keeps building me little toys to take into the garage <laughs> and try and get me fit with. That's brilliant. I suppose if you've got like a bench in your garden, you that equally could serve as a step or or just your stairs yeah. in your own home. You can do that. And I like the way that you said you did it with weights because I think people sometimes forget that they can make the thing harder. They don't just have to do it those and those of times. And so do you do a certain number of kind of sets and reps or do you just go for like say 10 minutes up and down, up and down? Um, how do you sort of work a, a bit of a leg strength routine? Um, so I normally do it in sets. So maybe like three times 20 or something like that. There's a big break in between. Um, I'm trying to learn Spanish in lockdown as well. So I do a set, go on Duolingo, do some Spanish in my recovery, and then go back and do another set. Oh, fab. I thought you were going to say that you counted in Spanish. You know, like uno, dos, tres, blah, 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 blah. I know, but I should be doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, just uh, just got a question about the, the weights um, on the live chat. Um, Kurt Steege from the USA says, um, uh, do you do this with hand weights or do you use um, a weighted vest? I do it with hand weights um, because that's what I've got. But equally, you could do it with weighted vest, or you could just put on a rucksack and put heavy books in it. You know, if you're at home and you haven't got anything to hand, you can always improvise something. I think. Um, so yeah, just make the most of what you've got. Yeah, you could totally fill up a backpack with water bottles or books or anything heavy, couldn't you? Um, yeah. yeah. That's super good advice. Everyone is so pleased with this, um, and they, but they also they want more. Um, so Lucy O'Dell has a second part of her question, which was, how did you learn to run so fast on the downhills on rough terrain? So she says she's afraid of falling. She doesn't have a lot of confidence. Um, she just really thinks that she'll fall, and she says it's really holding her back. And equally on the live chat, we've got um, Kurt Steege saying that he wants to that the bane of his life is running downhill because he thinks he's a scary cat um, and then Tim Brennan says um, any tips on getting better at technical downhills as well so yeah have you got any thoughts on that like does it come naturally to you or did you have to learn it like like everybody else I think it used to come naturally to me and then I had a fall um, not nothing awful but like I just hurt my knee quite badly and that knocked me back a bit so it's something I've had to work on um, I also a while ago had quite weak ankles and I was always worried about spraining an ankle or something. And the big best tip I had for that was that when you're running downhill, make sure you land on the forefront of your foot. So 
if you're coming downhill and you land on your heel and something goes wrong, you're much more likely to twist it. But if you're landing on your toes, it'll um, you can then sort of adapt without spraining your ankle. Um, and the other thing I find very useful is to look ahead. So if you're looking three or four meters ahead and then you can see what's coming up, it feels really scary because you're not looking at what you're actually on top of. But your brain's surprisingly good at seeing what's a few meters ahead, taking it in, sending the message to your legs, and then, yeah, it just makes it all flow much, much better. Yeah. But also my other tip would be that it is something that you need to practice, um, even if that's just finding a grassy bank and saying, I'm going to run down this as fast as I can for 30 seconds, and doing that every time you go out or something. And if I'm doing a descent and it's not going well and I can feel that in my head I'm kind of psyching myself out, I'll just stop and look around for a minute and then just restart it in training, not in races. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, races you're probably just like, um, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you do it in training and you just think it isn't going well, I don't know what I'm doing, before you get flustered and start overthinking it, just stop, look at the view and reset. That's a really good tip as well. And uh, some people, like um, foul runners and people like that, they often say you have to turn the brain off. And then I spoke to um, somebody else, Holly Page or someone like that, who said, no, you absolutely have to concentrate a lot. So where do you stand on the turning the brain off slash concentrate a lot when you're doing really technical downhills? I think there used to be the turning the brain off count. And then I hurt my knee and I sprained my ankles and I'm like, no, you really do need to think about this. Um, <laughs> You need to think about it a lot. <laughs> I think the mental exhaustion after the descent is often as much as the physical exhaustion. Yeah, and so do you have a, a like a preference? Do you like going up more or down more? Like, is one harder for you than the other? Definitely prefer going up. Um, yeah, I love going uphill. That's my that's definitely my favourite. Awesome. Ah, uh, that's. That's amazing. So do you tend to overtake people on the way up then, um, rather than the way down? Yeah, so it's normally overtaking people on the way up and then trying to cling on and not lose too many places on the way down. Yeah, yeah it's hard, isn't it? It's, you've put all that effort in going up and then someone can just, you know, it doesn't take as much effort physically yeah. necessarily to run down. It's like, yeah. And they always make it look so easy when they come flying past you and you're like, why can't I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully everybody will be a little bit faster now, thanks to your amazing advice. And um, that's been super useful. Um, and we, we do have a request about um, your gear. So Guy GreaterX um, would like you to talk him through your shoe collection um, um, or just recommend your favourite shoe. Um, because he didn't actually know that Merrill did trail running shoes, so now that you're sponsored by Merrill, let's use this wonderful opportunity as a, as a great plug for their shoes. <laughs> and so, yeah, tell, us, well, tell us a little bit about your Merrill shoes. <laughs> so I've actually got a couple of them with me. Um, this one is my favourite shoe. It's the Skyfire shoe, and this is the one that they've designed specifically for sky running. Um, so it's got a really good grip on the bottom. I think they've called it quantum grip. Oh, quantum um, grip. Yeah, I know it sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm just trying to. And, yeah, it's got really, 
It's got really deep lugs, which is really good for mud and grass, but then also grips really well on the rocks as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to find an image of it online so that um, we can get a real close-up of that one. Um, so, oh, there's a nice one of someone holding it. With You can see the grips in it. Um, uh, yeah, the Skyfire one. Um, there we go. Um, so, yeah, so how long have you been wearing these shoes for then? I've been wearing these since last October. Yeah. That's when I got my first pair, yeah. And, and yeah, I really like them. Yeah. Um, they're quite lightweight as well, and the material on the top is super breathable, so you don't get too hot, which is nice. Not really a problem in Scotland, but... <laughs> yeah, but today... <laughs> yeah. But today they'd be great. Yeah, they would. Um, I've just found a picture of them, so I'm just going to pop them up on the screen here, so that everyone can have a, a look at them. Um, these ones say they're Gore-Tex on the side. Have you got the Gore-Tex versions or the non-Gore versions? No, I haven't got the Gore-Tex ones. Yeah. Yeah, they look like they've got a nice amount of grip there, but not kind of overboard, so you can do a mixture of terrains in these. Um, yeah, they look really good. I didn't know that they... Yeah, I use them for everything at the moment. So yeah. I use them for, like, trails and even a little bit of roads, and then I use them for going up into the mountains as well. They're super adaptable, which is really good. Yeah, and so are they quite cushioned? Um, do you know what the drop is and things like that on them? It's a four millimeter drop, um, and they are quite cushioned. Um, compared to some other ones that are out on, in the market, on the market, um, they are quite cushioned, yeah, um, but not excessively so, you can still feel the ground beneath you. Yeah, yeah they look like a good, a kind of a middle ground between like super, super minimal, because I know that Merrill did go for the whole minimal thing um, a few years back when the barefoot craze was all, yeah. was, um, was about, but um, these look, yeah, these look really good, um, and um, so, so yeah, do, do the, do, so Meryl make other clothes as well, do they make kind of specific sky running um, clothing as well or um, do they just make kind of normal trail running clothing which is suitable for sky running? Yeah, so just normal trail running clothing, um, yeah, they haven't really said anything specific to sky running yet, but I think they might be doing it in the next year or so. I think they're going to try and widen their range in the future as well because at the moment they've got this and they've got another shoe as well. Um, but they're going to try and develop more models over the next few years. Yeah, um, we've got some comments here on the live chat, people are loving the shoes. Um, apparently there's some cool orange ones as well, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I wore them too much and they fell apart, I'm gutted, I really like the orange ones. <laughs> oh, so they sent you two pairs and you ruined one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope you I hope you went a good long distance in them before they were ruined, because otherwise that is not a good advert for a shoe. <laughs> they lasted from October until March, so oh, okay. on every run good. I did. Oh, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's probably a million yeah. miles, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, and Guy Greatrex, who actually uh, asked the question, um, he said they look great and he's really happy that you showed them to us. Um, and um, Kurt says they look like, like kind of old school, like um, the design, um, and Philip likes the look of them as well. So yes, thank you for sharing the shoes. Oh, no problem. Um, and uh, Kirsten Bruce has joined us on the chat and she says, um, funnily enough, she was not aware of this kind of race, so sky running, um, before she stumbled onto the end of the sky race in 2019 while she was walking the West Island Way. Um, and now, oh. <laughs> yeah, so she, she probably saw you in action. And she says now she is an aspiring long distance runner. So, yeah. 
it's great to hear that more people should be doing it. It's great. Yeah. Um, and lots of other people with some more shoe chat. Um, Marseille says they look quite basic and simple. Um, and then Kurt Siege must be Googling all Meryl's shoes because he says the Banshee ones look really pretty wild. <laughs> Have you seen those ones? I think I've got a pair of them, yeah. I haven't got them here, but uh, yeah, they're really good. I like them as well. I use them for shorter runs. Yeah. Like just the morning 5k or something. I'll use them for that. Yeah. Are they like a, a more racy pair then? Like a thinner type profile? They're just more lightweight, like going back to the barefoot stuff that Meryl does quite a lot as well. They still do a lot of those shoes, um, but they're not specific to sky running. So I've got whoop, these ones that aren't those. These are the, I'm not sure what they are, but they're a zero drop one. Yeah. And I use them for like just going out for a really easy 5k before breakfast or something like that. And because they're so minimal, it makes me run slower, which is good, because sometimes I'm r running and I, I know I should be going slower, but I'm having too much fun, so these force me to slow down. Ah, and is that because you're sort of feeling the ground underneath and you want to try and be lighter on the foot? Yeah, and you just got to think about your form and the way that you're running a bit more as well. Yeah, but 5k is like enough time for thinking about form. She's like, I'm over form yeah. after 5k. <laughs> I want my breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. It's it's so interesting, isn't it, what you start getting into the shoes and you've got a different pair for this, people have got a different pair for this. Um, but you'd say that those, um, the the oh um, the Skyline, uh, the Skyfire shoes, um, so they'd be ideal for something like the Glenco Skyline, would they? Yeah, they are, they'd be really good. Especially because of the mixture of terrains that you go over in the skyline as well. Because they're so suitable and lots of different things, they'd be perfect for it. Brilliant. Okay, well, we're all going out to buy a pair of Meryl shoes now then. <laughs> well done, Meryl, for signing Georgia. Um, so now I just want to uh, talk a little bit about the race itself um, for the next part of the chat. Um, so obviously you, you weren't planning to necessarily do the race and last minute you got up at 5am, drove there, there was a space, space on the race. Um, did you have, do you get start line nerves? Um, and did you that day? How, how do you deal with those? Um, I didn't really that day, I think, because it was so last minute and I'd raced, you know, six days beforehand in Italy, so it'd all been such a whirlwind getting there, I didn't really have um, any time to get nervous, which is great. Yeah. Um, I, do, I think if I do get nervous, I get nervous, you know, the days and the week before a race, and by the time I've got to the start line, I've normally, well, what happens, happens, and I'm tired of worrying about it by that point. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you don't have a, a, like, do a Ricky Lightfoot, like, he has a glass of red wine the night before just to ease the nerves. <laughs> <laughs> I have had some of my best races off um, a pint the night before, so maybe that's my version. Yeah, well, I think there are a lot of B vitamins and, and sugar in, in beer, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> have, have, you, have you got any tips, apart from the whole drinking wine thing, have you got any kind of advice or tips for anybody, like, it? if people are nervous and they're watching and they, they are about to do Glencoe Skyline and they're a bit nervous, what would you say to them? I think you just need to think about why you're doing it um, and hopefully the answer will be because you think you're going to enjoy it and you've just got to think about all the fun things that you're going to do and the huge sense of achievement that you're going to have when you finish as well. That's definitely something that 
I think about when I'm going around as well. Just think like, how good is it going to feel when you cross the finish line and it's over? Yeah, yeah. Well, you were um, smiling all the way around, so you were having a great time. <laughs> um, and then uh, I want to talk a little bit about pacing because um, I read your race report and you, it, you said that um, over Anahigic and the climb to Anahigic, you you started to kind of get a bit tired and you're a bit worried about that. Um, how how do you pace such a, a a race of such variety in a way because you said it was hard to not go off with the fast people at the beginning and yeah how do you deal with that I think you've got to play to your strengths so I knew that I was better at climbing than I was at descending so anytime we got to a climb I would just push harder in that and anytime we were descending I just held back a bit and thought you know I don't want to trash my legs running as fast as I can down this down hill when my fastest I can isn't even that fast compared to some people I'm racing against. So you just got to play to your strengths and then just go off how you feel as well. You know, the first hour or two, just go off at pace and think, can I maintain this for another eight, nine hours? And if you think, yes, I can, then you're probably going too easy. If you think, <laughs> oh, I hope I can. <laughs> then you're probably about right. I love the way you assume everyone's going to do like eight, nine hours. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, 12 hours, yeah. <laughs> Maybe 16. <laughs> um, and you mentioned a little bit about um, like putting some gels in to, to keep on the pace. Um, what what do you eat on this type of thing, like on Sky Races, and, and when do you eat it as well? So the shorter Sky Races, um, I've always just used gels. I use talk gels, which are my favorite. I've tried a lot of different ones. They're my favorite, um, probably because I've got a sweet tooth and they're all like lemon, chisel cake, cherry bake. Well, it's delicious. Yeah, it's like a cake liquidized, isn't it? I've had those ones. Didn't they do a beer one as well, talk? They, they did do a beer one as well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a shandy flavoured one. Yes, it was. It was like old ghost chips shandy or something because I made Victoria Wilkinson test them with me. Uh. <laughs> yeah, she thought they were all grim. <laughs> I, think, I think she's like a sausage, egg, and chips person. <laughs> she's like, she's like, give me a flapjack, Claire. <laughs> this is nonsense. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a gel and I try and take one on every 45 minutes. Um, and then for the longer races, until this year, I'd always try and take on some real food as well. So I would take, um, well, when I went out to Tromso last year, I just packed, I made some marmalade sandwiches back in Edinburgh and then flew out with them in my rucksack sack and ate them halfway around. Like Paddington um, there, lovely. Like Paddington like there, yeah. <laughs> Under the hat, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's time for the marmalade sandwich. <laughs> um, but this year I switched over to just using gels. Um, and I did have an emergency sandwich with me, but I didn't need it. Was it marmalade? Uh, it was marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So, Mark, do you make your own marmalade? Because I know that you've been foraging and baking in lockdown. Do you also make marmalade? Yeah, I make my own marmalade. It's a, it's a family tradition. It's my great, 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 great aunt's recipe. Um, and we all make our own batches of marmalade, and it is in my opinion the best marmalade there is oh wow do you ever do anything fun with it like put whiskey in it like a, like a scottish version 
Oh, I haven't, but maybe we should experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, so you're presumably not allowed to reveal the secret recipe of your great, 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 a million times great grandmother. It's top secret, I'm afraid. Top secret, top secret. <laughs> fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Um, so you mainly eat gels and then some real food, um, so marmalade sandwiches. Um, that's brilliant. Um, and, um, and But presumably in all these races, there is going to be difficult times. There's going to be tough patches and there's going to be times when you are not smiling, although I don't think that that happened in Glencoe Skyline, <laughs> judging from the photos. Um, and yeah, and it's just really hard. Um, how how do you keep going when when you're really tired and, and everything just really hurts? I think often before a race I've done a lot of preparation so I've thought about how painful it's going to be um, so when that happens I'm not caught off guard like I know that it's going to happen at some point in the race um, and I think um, like I said earlier, you think about why you're doing it. So you think about the fact that you enjoy it and you're lucky enough to be able to do it, um, which is helpful. And think about the relief you're going to feel when you get to the finish line as well. And the beer that you can drink as well. Most and the beer, yeah. Because <laughs> we do have a question from Paul Hamilton here who says, um, he must have been reading some uh, blogs that I haven't read yet, um, but he says, um, uh, apparently, um, you have suggested that visualising the pain helps you manage the pain. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by this? So I think that kind of goes to what I was saying about thinking before a race and the days before a race, thinking about how painful it is going to be. Um, I often think back to a race that I've done before. Um, so the three peaks a couple of years ago or the world champs last year and I think about how awful I felt in that and then you think about the fact that actually you pushed through it and you got a good result in the end so this helps you to prepare for things like how hungry you're going to be, how tired you're going to be, um, how thirsty, if your legs start cramping, you're prepared for all of that so when it does come along it's not a shock and then you can you're kind of used to it already because you've been thinking about it happening for a few days. Um, so yeah, I think that helps a lot. Mm, that's really interesting because I know that like athletes like um, you know like Courtney DeWalter, um, she they and a lot of the American athletes they talk about this pain cave, don't they? So it's interesting to me mm. that you sort of visualise that pain cave before you even get to the race to sort of pre-pain cave yourself. Pre-pain cave, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. Just like some extra pain. <laughs> yeah, I just want extra pain. I know. I think for me, I'd be like trying to think about all the reasons I, I would not want to be in pain during the race and all the things I could do to minimise the pain. <laughs> Whereas you're like, no, full on, I'm going to experience some pain. Let's just bring it on. Let's, let's visualise this. Um, that's, that's really good advice, I think. I haven't really heard anyone say that before. So that's fantastic. Um, and I, I do need to read you some of this. Uh, the live chat is um, everyone's very excited by the beer. Um, so, so Kurt says, hmm, a few beer drinking lady trail runners. First Camille Heron, because we had Camille Heron on last week, and then Georgia. I sense a trend. I may have to up my game. <laughs> and then Nigel Barnett says he agrees. A pint of Guinness the night before a race and four pints afterwards. Um, and John just says, the more beer, the better. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that's gonna go um so yeah and i know the shandy gels oh the sh- yeah shandy gels uh, market there um yeah and apparently beer is full of iron um and everybody wants your marmalade recipe now um <laughs> and it's a secret everybody and chloe says uh, she loves marmalade on english muffins and she just bought a jar today mm. Yes. Lucky her. Lucky her. So get get the marmalade in. I, I do love marmalade. I love I love going on um on holiday places and buying like the novelty marmalades. That's why I asked you about the whiskey because I, mm. I think I've got some gin and tonic marmalade and some whiskey marmalade mm. and and all that kind of stuff. And lemon marmalade. Mm, it's really nice. We were um we were getting through the marmalades too quickly in my house because my housemate really likes it as well. <laughs> And then we kept going to the fridge and we're like, where has the marmalade gone? So a few weeks ago, I got two jars. I labelled one George's marmalade and one Richard's marmalade. <laughs> so we can see who eats it the quickest. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to hide yours, though. Like, in a cupboard. Yeah. Otherwise... I'm worried he's going to secretly dip into it. Yeah, he is. You're going to have to put a lock on that marmalade. <laughs> combination code. You can get a jar with a combination... A safe. <laughs> put it in a safe in the fridge. Yes. Yeah, we've solved it. We've solved it. There we go. Um, oh, Arlene M says, how about marmalade and peanut butter? Oh, I don't know if she means like a fusion mm. in the jar, but I would say I have done peanut butter with marmalade on top and I couldn't find jam once. It was very nice. And I now do it even more often. Oh, I experiment with that as well. Yeah. And Kurt says, we don't need the recipe, we just need you to give her a jar for the competition every month. <laughs> well, maybe maybe next time that I see you, that we can swap a jar. I can give you a jar of my mum's marmalade and you can we can swap a jar and we, we can um, yeah. have an assessment. We can do a taste test. Yeah, yeah, taste test. Um, fantastic. Oh, and uh, we, we did have a question about, um, because uh, Guy Greatrex has just found out that you like books as well, so he wants to know your favourite book um, at the moment during lockdown, if you, if you actually have one. <laughs> I know it's really hard. <laughs> um, oh, I've been reading a lot of books at the moment. Um, I'm reading a book by Dervla Murphy at the moment, oh. who's... Uh, Irish woman who cycles from Ireland to India in the 60s. Yeah, I've read that. I can't believe it's like a really dark. obscure oh. book, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've read her like account of her childhood before, about a year ago, and now I'm just starting this one. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. So she's um, in the 60s, at a time when women didn't really do uh, like a ton of stuff. She's like off cycling from Ireland to, to India. Yeah. yeah. She talks about the fact she's got a gun in her pocket um, just in case things go wrong. Brilliant. <laughs> she sounds like our kind of gal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> wow. And so are you quite far through the book? Um, have you got a lot to go? No, I've honestly only started it last night, so I'm about 10 pages in. Um, but I've been reading a lot of poetry as well. I read a Charles Dickens at the beginning of lockdown. Um, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. All sorts. I'm that... reading books that I might like to teach one day as well. So. Yes, yeah. That sounds very, um, very educational. And I also wonder, do you like reading or do you read a lot of running books at all? I don't. Um, I think 
for me, like my two hobbies are running and reading, and I like to keep those as separate things. So you know, if I get if I feel like I'm all run out, I can go read a book, and it's something different, and vice versa as well. So yeah, I don't tend to read very many running books. Yeah, um, I I get sent running books all the time, and uh, I probably probably shouldn't really say on here, but I I actually <laughs> when I read a book, I would prefer to read a story of like a fiction thing, like mm. I don't know some science fiction or something, um, or some incredible woman doing something amazing kind of books. I like those kind of books, um, but I have to read all these running books for my job, and it's just like the the last thing you want to do at like six o'clock when you finished work. Is is to then open another book about running um so yeah I, I totally get it i totally know what you mean <laughs> um and so before we finish i want to ask you about your plans um because you said you were a little bit injured um that's rubbish but hopefully you'll be mm -hmm. back in the game um arlene m um she's on the live chat she wants to know about what your plans are for next year as far as races go and and also let's cover like any bucket list dream races that you've got as well um so next year i'll hopefully be doing the Sky Running World Series. That's what I planned to do this summer. Um, so I had plans to do, I think, seven different races. Um, and next year I'll do the same. So I'll just, I think I'll target the series and um, try and choose races that play to my strengths and try and choose races in places I haven't been before as well. Because I really like going to places and using running as an excuse to travel to places you wouldn't necessarily go to otherwise. Yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? Um, bucket list races, I really wanted to do Trophy Okimo this summer, um, but that's only every two years, so that'll have to wait until 2022, I think. Oh really? Well they, they won't do it like, a, they won't just postpone it till next year and then do two and two? Yeah. Oh I don't know, I don't maybe. Know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there's just so many questions at the moment, no one really knows what's going on with anything. Yeah, I know, and the UTMB's just been cancelled, hasn't it? such a shame yeah yeah but so many people you just think wow it's just it's, yeah yeah i just i don't think they could have done anything else really they were trying weren't they but i just i didn't yeah. have high hopes for that one <laughs> no so many people traveling from all over the world to get there it's just not really feasible yeah is that it's the utmb the kind of race you'd want to do one day or or do you prefer this prefer the sky running sort of marathon type of distances so i prefer the sky running marathon kind of distances um but i would really like to go and do one of the shorter ones in the utmb weekend just because i've never been to that weekend it looks so much fun you know everyone's there everyone's in chamonix i'd love to just go along and do one of the shorter races and then head out and watch UTMB and the other ones and yeah just be there for the weekend because it looks like so much fun. Yeah it is an awesome weekend it is really fun like even if you're not racing if you spend some time watching um, everyone from the like the really long races coming in over the line and there's this little bit at the end of the funnel where their children can meet them and then they're like running over the line like crying and their children are like come on daddy come on mummy <laughs> and like they've got a kid on their shoulder and 
run, dragging them by the running pole. Um, yeah, it's it's really really lovely. It's a fantastic weekend. We could do like the OCC. I think that's like fifty five kilometers with three thousand meters of ascent. So that's kind of like the um, Glencoe skyline. That sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay, well, you should do that in 2021. We'll all watch you win that one, um, and that'll be very <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so I'm going to wrap up the chat now because you have given us tons of your time. It's really, really lovely of you. And um, I just wanted to ask you how everybody can follow you now because um, you've started running for Merrill and you're going to be doing some ace races in the future. Um, how can people get uh, follow you, like social media, blog, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, so I've got a blog, um, which is just georgiatindley.com, and then I've also, I'm on Instagram as well, and yeah, I put up my runs, and I put up the books I read as well, so if you're interested in that, you can look at that. Ah, but you don't put up the marmalade recipe. <laughs> but the recipe is top secret. <laughs> yes, and so it should be, and it will remain. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, there's plenty of time to train for 2021 now, at least. Um, and hopefully you, you won't be injured by then as well. Um, yeah, it would be yeah. absolutely fabulous. And um, and so so that's your blog. And then on social media, do you have one that you prefer? Um, or do you do everything on social media? Um, so mostly it's just on Instagram. Occasionally stuff goes up on Facebook, but pretty much just Instagram. Yeah. Brilliant. That's um, the place. Well, Guy Greatrex says, I've just followed Georgia on Instagram. I am a fan. Brilliant. Um, and um, Arlene says, um, are you going to do a virtual race instead? Um, yeah. Do you fancy a virtual race? Just as a final quick question. <laughs> I've been doing some of the skyrunning virtual races that they've been doing. Um, uh, yeah, so I have been doing some. And I did, I think, the Scottish National Road Relays virtual race as well so i'll be getting into it um it's not the same though no it's not the same as it yes yeah no. i do love a race i miss races and i miss going to races i miss being around all those like-minded people and yeah um yeah and it's not just the race itself it's the chatting to people afterwards and yeah it's the social aspect as well yeah yeah it's really good um but hopefully we'll all be back to well smaller races maybe first and then and then the biggies in 2021 um and at least at least you've got an injury to kind of think oh well you know it's kind of good that there's no races at the moment <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, I just want to say a massive thank you to you, Georgia. It's been really lovely to chat to you tonight. Um, and congratulations again for winning um, the Glencoe Skyline 2019 and being first lady. Um, and I um, wish you all the best as a male athlete in, well, 2020, but mainly 2021. Well, thank you. It's been really nice to come and chat to you and get some of these questions as well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Cool. I'll say in the night, everybody. Um, everyone's like, yeah, going to get the beers in now. <laughs> I think you'll approve. <laughs> Fantastic. Beers and marmalade. Yeah. Well, Chloe says, um, Chloe Mason says, thank you for the chat. What a lovely guest. Happy running and great advice. Cheers. Um, Guy wants to know what your favourite chocolate is. The questions just keep coming. Um, Ruth Howie says, thanks for a great chat. Um, Guy Greatrex says, um, great interview. Arlene M says, thanks so much. Kurt, Steve, has done the clunking beer emoji and um, Philip Haddock uh, says thank you Claire what a lovely guest Georgia is um, John says thanks very much 
thumb emoji. Um, and yeah, I could be reading these out all night. So, <laughs> so they've said it better than I can. Thanks so much, Georgia. It's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening all. Isn't Georgia lovely? She gave some excellent advice and it was great to see those Merrill Skyfire sky running shoes too. I'm going to have to get a test pair in. Head to the podcast show notes for all the links to watch Georgia in action on the 2019 race and more films on how to scramble those two tough sections, Curved Ridge and Anna Higuk. Follow Georgia on Instagram at gtindley and on her blog georgiatindley.com to see what she does next. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a nice review on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That would be much appreciated. I'm keen to know where you listen to. Are you running? Are you cleaning? Are you bungee jumping? For more trail and ultra running advice, gear reviews and inspiration, subscribe to Wild Ginger Running on YouTube. It's totally free. And follow me on Instagram at Wild Ginger Running. Next week's live YouTube broadcast guest is a departure from the normal elite athlete or expert coach. We are going to be chatting to running poet Alistair Jones, aka Running Mr. Jones on Twitter, where he posts his wonderful short poems about our favorite sport. I've admired his talent and retweeted his inspiring poems for a long time, and his book, Run, a book for real runners, is a fabulous compilation of his best work and one of the prizes in the Wild Ginger Running May competition. So join me and Alistair live on Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel next Wednesday, the 27th of May at 6.30pm UK time, or watch it later, or listen later on the podcast. If you want to guarantee I ask your question to our guests, support me on Patreon for as little as the price of a cup of coffee each month at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Patrons also get freebies, discounts and training plans, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 140 patrons, so the odds on a win are way, way better than the lottery. What is not to like? Thank you for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.